pump you up, Tasha. <laughs> yeah, I drink this more than Zoa. Let's go. Come on, Zoa. We're recording. Let's go. Take a sip. <sighs> okay. Welcome back to the Active Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. As a reminder, Act 2 is a network and support group for the Everyday Working Screenwriter, which this podcast is just one of the things we do. So thank you for joining us here. We also have a mentorship in partnership with Coverfly, where writers get paired with one of the professional working screenwriters we have in our Act 2 network for a career-focused mentorship, and it's really cool. Actually, if you listen to our last episode where we talked to James Stodderow, the executive producer of Batwoman and writer of a lot of amazing TV shows, we talked a lot about how the world kind of doesn't prepare you for what real world screenwriting careers actually look like. So yeah. that is why we partnered with Coverfly. We created this kind of career focused mentorship with our writers. So if that interests you, check out our episode on our mentorship from a few months ago. Follow us at Act Two Writers on Instagram, or you can follow me on Twitter at Tasha 3.0 or on Instagram at Story Thursday. And I am on Twitter at Joshua Hallman and Instagram as Joshua Hallman. No, Jesus, as Josh Hallman. I can't believe I just messed that up. <laughs> this episode is unofficially sponsored by Zoa again. <laughs> yeah, today we're rocking the Zoa. It's going to happen. We're going to will it into existence where we... Uh, are the first screenwriting podcast to be sponsored by an energy drink. Look, Rock, Jungle Cruise is great. Oh, we're just going into it. <laughs> yeah, let's start with this week's in writing. Those are more fun. Well, actually, before we even start with the this week in writing, or Whoa. this week sis in writing, I have to tell you something. Uh -oh. I'm dropping a bomb here, right here on the oh, Act God. 2 podcast. All right. And I, I've been waiting for this this forum to tell you what I'm about to tell you. The other day, I received an email from your lovely fiance about fantasy football, asking me if I would consider coming out of my hiatus, my retirement. And if the offer still stands, I would like to announce that I'm coming out of retirement. Yes! To play, to play in your fantasy football <laughs> league. <laughs> yes, that's so great. Oh man, that isn't this week in writing, because it made my week. Yeah, fuck yeah. What am I, I doing know, with my I life? I don't know how much you guys realize this is a big deal. Yeah, I've been in a very, I've been in hiding. I'm like, uh, I'm like, like John Wick in hiding. I'm just like, <laughs> leave me alone, please, <laughs> please. But you guys just came and killed my dog, so now I'm out of retirement <laughs> and I'm ready to draft all of the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> all right, uh, this week all in right. writing. All right, let's go. Ooh, now I am pumped. Okay. Yeah, there we I go. have two. I have one that's maybe more fun, yeah. one that's less fun. I've got a few. You pick which one we should start with. Do you want to go? No, you go with something that was fun. Okay, start with, I'll start with the fun one. Uh, all okay. right, so this weekend, we watched Tomorrow War and Tenet back-to-back, -back, which are two, of course, very different time travel movies. Or did you watch it back-to-front? Oh, shit. Tenant. All right, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, an interesting lesson, I think, about rules and mythology kind of came out of watching them so closely together. And what was interesting was neither of them made sense, but for very different reasons. So Tomorrow War didn't make a lot of sense because there were logic holes that they sort of hoped you wouldn't ask about, but that were also pretty obvious. And mm -hmm. I think ultimately we felt we were very much ahead of the characters in the movie and that we were asking questions that they didn't even think to ask until much later, which our reaction to that was, well, these characters are stupid, which brings me to like when you get this note, which I've definitely gotten this note, right, that the audience is ahead of your characters, that this is what that note is talking about. And so that to me was a really important lesson because I get that note. I could, I could easily write tomorrow war and have this problem you know because this is this is an issue when you're writing stuff with mythology and that has a lot of questions but then cut to tenet which also didn't make any sense but the difference was it made so little sense that you didn't even know what questions to ask like if you asked a question 
the movie would just kind of tell you, you know what, it's too complicated for you to understand. Just let it go. There's literally a character who says that. Like, don't yeah. try to understand it. And I think the essentials of the movie made enough sense that you weren't taken out of it. Like, I wasn't confused in a way that prohibited me from watching and enjoying the movie, which yeah. I think is a huge difference. And if you're going to choose to be confusing deliberately, Tenet is a great model to look at because it it's true, it's confusing, but you're still along for the ride. And ultimately, I think what was interesting was Paul and I actually both liked Tenet better, even though we understood the rules less. So... Let me just say I will defend The Tomorrow War as a summer movie that, yes, were there some holes? Sure. But, you know, I let it go. I, wa I, I was like, hey, these are cool aliens. The aliens are very cool. Yeah. Chris Pratt's firing a gun. Tenant, I love Tenant. If you paid me a million dollars right now, I couldn't tell you the premise of Tenant. <laughs> but I thought it was so beautiful, and I loved it visually it's unbelievable yeah and the shit that was cool was like amazing and so i don't know the story of tenant and, <laughs> and you've watched it three times you said yeah one time was on an airplane though so that doesn't really count but yeah it doesn't count but yeah i love both i love I, I'm, I'm in for both of them and i like the fact that they're both original uh sci-fi ish films very yeah all right. I have other things to say about Tomorrow War, but they're rather negative, so I think I'm going to stay away yeah, from them. We, we, keep, we keep it positive on the Act 2 podcast. That's right. <laughs> so have you watched The White Lotus on HBO? I have not, no. Are you familiar with it? No. What? All right. Yes. Well, so I love The White Lotus, and it is, I feel like, as a writer, I feel like it is something to appreciate because the characters are so great, and... It, in my opinion, The White Lotus is one of those shows that just have such engaging characters. And I would recommend watching it and being like, why am I so engaged in this? Like, what is mm -hmm. happening with the characters? Because they evolve little by little by little. And there's, there's not, it, it's, it's, it's a character-driven show is all I'm saying. And I feel like from a writer's uh, perspective, everyone should check it out. It's amazing. What is it I about? It's about this family that is in a hotel called the White Lotus in Hawaii. And they're all very quirky. They all have different issues. And I don't want to say too much, but it's all, it's just, it's a character show oh. with great music. Oh, is it genre at all? Or is it just a family drama? Not just. Family drama. Is it a family drama? Yeah, just. Okay. It's awesome. It's amazing. Steve Zahn's in it. I forgot how much I oh, love Steve Zahn. Me too. Yeah. And a couple other people that you'd be like, oh, yeah, that person. Connie Britton. Oh, great. I'm that shocked awesome. you haven't heard of the uh, I've never White even Lotus. heard of it, no. Okay. Well, watch it and report back. Okay. I will. Okay. <laughs> character. <laughs> it's all character, though. But, no, it really is one of those shows where you're like, did anything happen in this episode? And nothing happens at times, but mm -hmm. everything happens to the characters. Yeah. That reminds me of Downton Abbey, which is also riveting. So, yeah, mm. I get it. All right. How do you do that? That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't think I'll ever understand that because you and I both don't write in those worlds where nothing happens. We write in, in worlds that a lot of things happen. Uh, a lot of big, yeah. crazy things happen. So that's interesting. Wait, there's not a MacGuffin in this show? What yeah. am I even doing? <laughs> Clearly, this must be sci-fi. There must be a twist. <laughs> Clearly, someone did something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no end of the world plan. All right. All right. Go for it. Your part two. My not fun this week in writing. Yeah. So it's a little long. I apologize. So I am mm. currently obviously show running a show. We all know that. It's great and it's wonderful and it's stressful and I love it. Now, mm. as a showrunner, because I am the writer and executive producer, I will be getting paid as a writer for all of my outlines and all the scripts that get delivered. And as I found, which is very cool, you also get paid as an executive producer every week until production is over, which is great. So obviously this, this week in writing is about jobs. Um, so yeah. because the show is an animated show and is also IATSE, it's not WGA, both of those things mean that the budget is actually not super high. So for show running this show, it's definitely a living wage, I would say, while you're working on it. 
but it's a living wage such that you still have to definitely be thinking about what your next job is going to be. And so while I have this full-time job, there's also a very real issue of, well, I have to still be pitching on my next TV show to sell, or have to try to land that OWA on a movie or try to sell my next spec idea. On top of that, you're also having this full-time, very stressful showrunner job. And I'm gonna be totally honest about the process because I think that's what's important, is that I have three other TV shows, two of which I've sold to major networks and are at different stages of development, and one I just finished pitching last week. And on the surface, that is definitely fantastic. And it is, it's, it's objectively amazing. But when, you know, we're trying to plan for a wedding and a honeymoon and a house and a dog, <laughs> I think you can't really look at those other shows and think, okay, that's money that's gonna be coming in. Let's make a plan for our, our life moving forward, right? Because literally by the next episode of this podcast, all three of those prospective shows could be dead. And I think that's the thing that I'm thinking about this week that I think is just really interesting about this business is I was even talking to an A-list showrunner recently who I'm working with and he said that he has about six to seven things that he's currently working on right now all at various stages and you know all of them may land not likely but they, it could or none of them could land and he doesn't know and that's why he has these six to seven projects he's currently working on at any given time and he told me like hey if one of my other projects happens to sell before ours i won't be able to work with you as closely on our thing and i was like oh hey you know like thanks for being honest but i thought it was interesting that even him this a-lister has to stack the deck in this way where he has to go after six to seven different jobs at one time because you just have no idea in this business when or if something will become a paid job or not you just have no way of knowing and i think what's so kind of particularly special about this business is that it's such a crapshoot, right? There are projects that have the greatest attachments in the world, Spielberg and the next hottest writer who wrote the greatest thing ever, and that doesn't sell. But you'll see on Twitter where someone you've never heard of sells something. So like, it's just impossible to know. And I think it actually tracks with a lot of stuff that we were talking about with James in our last episode about how a big thing that he wishes film school taught screenwriters was discipline, because I think this becomes honestly the toughest part of the job is that because of all of the uncertainty, you have to work on or go after multiple jobs at the same time. I mean, you know, you're always working on like five scripts, I feel like at any given time, Josh. Yeah, and yeah, I think it feels like you almost have to burn yourself out just to mm -hmm. kind of survive. <laughs> we were just yeah. talking about before this, like you just stress yourself out as your sort of normal status quo. Um, and that's very pessimistic of me, but that's kind of this this week in writing for me. I might feel totally wow. differently next week, but. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I told you it wasn't fun, but it's real. <laughs> I don't even want to say a next one after that. Uh, I mean, should we just move on to the big topic? You tell me. Let's move on to the big topic. All right. I'll just save all my this week's and writings for another week. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm too depressed. Just, just get through this. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's it's the uh, it's reality. I, let me just also I'm going to just sprinkle a little more depression on this. Yeah, it, great. I, I, I was I'm doing this rewrite and this producer has been sending me back notes that I messaged you and Dave mm -hmm. about, if you remember. By the way, I had a couple drinks. So I was like. At that point when I messaged you guys, I was like, you know, code red. I'm just, <laughs> I'm about to like fucking <laughs> go nuclear. That's and, such um, a writer moment. <laughs> and and you're like, take a couple days and calm down. But the point is, is that I am so close to something that I'm like lost. I don't even, I don't even have the answer anymore. And I, you know, I'm getting notes back and I'm like, that no, that doesn't work. I've already tried that a million times, blah, 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 blah. But it did get, it gave me this, this, this feeling where I was just like, do I just need to cut my losses with this script? Like, am I just mm. done? Can I, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm beat. I need to move on from this thing. And it, it was just a reminder of like, I put all this work into this thing. And I'm at that stage where it's like, I've put so much work and I have to keep going or I don't. And I just, I just call it a day. And then that was all for fucking nothing, Tasha. 
that's what this in this industry can do. So that's where I'm at my, mentally. Why was it not for nothing? No, I mean, if I decide, I'm like, I'm done. I can't do oh, this anymore. Got it. Anyway. Well, that's, I think, honestly, a perfect segue into yeah. what we're talking about because we are talking about notes today. Oh, yeah. Totally intentional. <laughs> today we are doing part two of our series about notes. I think it was last month or so we did an episode about the Ten Commandments for note takers, which is, of mm. course, us writers taking notes. And now we are doing the Ten Commandments for note givers, which would be for producers and executives. But I think it's also for us. And I think for a couple reasons. One is that so you recognize how you should be treated in a note session. And then also because one day you will be a showrunner or maybe even a producer, or you might just be in a writer's group and you will need to know how to give notes to other writers. Yeah, I love this. And I mean, we can't forget to say that who created the Ten Commandments? Our beloved friend, Alex Sabetti. The one and only, the one and only. And we are going through, we're gonna have Sabetti on at some point in the future. We are, but he was so gracious as to we were talking to him about notes and he said he he had these commandments that he came up with both for you know taking notes and also giving notes and he sort of uses these 10 commandments as the basis for um, some panels that he goes on when he talks to other writers and whatnot and we sort of stole them and <laughs> decided to talk about them on the podcast because they were just so awesome um, and we will have Sabetti on to talk about other parts I think of his career but we're just going to go for it today. <laughs> We're just going to steal it, Sabetti. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> I love you, Sabetti. Kick All us right. off, Tasha. Commandment number one for the note giver. Set the writer's expectations before you give the notes. What does that mean? The way that I interpret it is to kind of tee them up to let the writer know kind of where you're coming in, how big the notes are going to be, and you know, hey, Tasha, I just read your script and I have a couple macro thoughts. I really loved it. Uh, there's a couple smaller things, but let me just jump into kind of like the bigger thing and it's not really going to change the structure too much, but I just want to throw some ideas ideas your way. Oh, that's that awesome. Extent. That makes me feel good and comforted <laughs> when you just, when you like start that way. If you're like yeah. giving me notes and you just kind of give me the overall picture of what you're about to do, I think that's great. Yeah, I think it's important to set the foundation for somebody because you, you, I feel as when you're receiving notes, you're always wondering like, how many are there? Like, what do they think? This and that. And, and it's always really helpful in my opinion to hear, hey, we really liked it. There are some thought, you know, we have some thoughts here. This is what we liked about it, but here are our bigger notes and, and doom, dive in. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, I think it's all of what you just said. I actually, this commandment made me think of a conversation I, I recently had with a producer on one of my projects and she's also a close friend so she was very honest with me but I told her that I had felt like giving up a lot of times during our development process on one of our scripts and she was very surprised by that and she asked me why I felt that way and I said it was because every time I turned in a draft based on her notes I thought I killed it like I thought we're done this is the best script I've ever written in my life and all I got were more notes. And she said, you know what, that's my fault because I didn't set up your expectations properly. And I think she even used those words, expectations, that she didn't set them up properly because she knew from the get-go that this was going to take a lot of work and that one yeah. notes document that she gave was not going to fix everything. It was just going to shift things so that they could then see where like the new issues were so they could then fix those. But she didn't want to give me all of the notes at once, partly because you kind of can't see what all the notes are right at the beginning, particularly with one yeah. of the, you know, a first draft. And, and partly because she didn't want to overwhelm me. And she said that like, if she had told me that early on that, hey, this is going to be a bit of a process, but let's start slow then I would have had a clearer view of what the process was versus what happened, which was every time I turned in a revised draft, I thought, this is it, we're gonna go sell it now, <laughs> only to be told, yeah. hey, go back to the drawing board. So that to me is a really big thing that producers need to do, particularly when you are developing something with someone from scratch that way, is really, really set up their expectations properly, or you're gonna burn them out and make them very upset. Wow, it's just speaking to my soul, I completely agree. <laughs> That's the way to set up expectations. That's, yeah. that's exactly what was happening to me recently. All right. Number two, help the writer write better. Don't 
right for them. Some deep shit right there, Spetty. Have you ever had anyone, a producer, try to write for you? Yeah. What did that look like? It, it essentially was me not executing a note properly and the producer coming in to be like, this is exactly how I think it should look. Boom, boom, boom. Like, this is what this character should say. This is what should happen after that. Mm. Cut this line specifically and, and, and go on. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good at all. I'll tell you that much. Were they right? Or do you think they were wrong? Or at least their execution was wrong? I think it could have gone either way. I don't think it enhanced or made mm. the script any better. Oh, interesting. So they just envisioned it a certain way and just wanted it that way, but it didn't actually improve yeah. the material. Oof. Yeah, I've given... I've given in uh, just based off of like not wanting to fight over one very small thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You hear a lot of producers going into that job because they actually wanted to be a writer and then for one reason or another couldn't write, didn't have the discipline, didn't have the skill, whatever it is, or they just needed a, a, a real job. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and so when they do start to develop, you can find these certain producers who want to get in there and start you know giving you line reads and whatnot and that can be very hard I've been very lucky that I haven't really had that very much if we've ever gotten to that point it's because I so don't understand what they're talking about that I almost need them to be like well tell me the dialogue yeah. you want it to look like because then I'll understand what your problem is yeah but thankfully I those producers, I had, I had to be the one to ask them for that. They didn't offer that first. And I think that's so important because the writer is the writer, right? Like they, they are the one who understands writing the most. They are the one who's lived with the script and the story and these characters the most going in there and trying to write a line is kind of like telling an Oscar winning actor, not that we're all Oscar winning writers, but it's like going in and telling, <laughs> telling for future Oscar winners, <laughs> um, telling an actor like, Hey, just read this line, you know, faster. I'm like, yeah. what? Like that, that's not a note. Like why, why, what am I feeling right now to make me read it faster? Um, it's yeah. just, it's not a, a good way of, it's not going to get the best product, really. It's not the, a good way of giving notes for a mental reason. And it's also not going to yield the best product. Agreed. For in, Okay, here's a for instance. When I have given notes, and you've heard me do this a lot of times, um, when I don't know how to articulate the note because I don't know what the problem is, let's say it's with a, a section of dialogue, what I might do is say, okay, I'm just going to tell you the dialogue that I hear in my head, but please only take this as the note. It's not like you should write this character. And then I'll say the line of dialogue that I am hearing in my head as a way to yeah. give the note, not to be like, this is what the character should be saying. So I think if you want to deliver the note in, in that way, that can also help the writer wrap their mind around what you're saying because you're giving them an example, which we actually get into a little bit later when we talk about solutions. But um, yeah. I think that's a way to help the writer write better versus writing for them. Yeah, and I and another thing you're 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 really good at with notes is doing as I've said a million times the note behind the note. So mm -hmm. a lot of times, if you're giving a note to a writer, that's like the surface, and but the, you really mean something more. So I feel like if you are offering a note, just really figure out the emotional connection to the note like a, or maybe or maybe a scene needs to be funnier if you're writing like a comedy and you can't really figure out what you're trying to say but like if you're giving a note I would really work on emotions in a scene and character to kind of really because I that, that's what I connect with at least yeah it's like hey they should you know he shouldn't be he's a little too happy here he just came from here that's a really bad example what I just said but <laughs> holy shit Zoa number three <laughs> Start with the positives. <laughs> All right. I love to start with the positives. No, you Personally, don't. Hate... This is the opposite <laughs> of what you like. <laughs> I... Listen, I love to get a positive note. First of all, this is what this note means. You're about to shit on somebody's child. So <laughs> give, give this person some positive reinforcement before you just completely start going to town on this thing. Yeah. Hey, oh my God, such great writing really great characters. I really loved X, Y, and Z about it. Tick, 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 tick. Here's what fucking sucks. Like, that's <laughs> where that's going. 
It's so true. And even though we know that this is part of the process and we do it ourselves to other writers, <laughs> I still really appreciate when, because there's a part of me who's like, maybe I believe that. Maybe I believe those positive things, even though I know yeah. this is just them being nice. But 100%, when I go to give notes on something, I will immediately start with a litany of all the things that I love. And even be like more excited about those positives than you have any right to be. Yeah. One of the great advice I got from another showrunner about how to give notes to the writers in your writer's room as they're delivering scripts and just how to keep morale up because a lot of what a showrunner does is they rewrite the scripts that are given to them, which can be very demoralizing as a writer in the room. But something he said to me was just remind them how much of a genius they are and yeah. and remind them that they're, they're a part of the family. And I think that's what's so important because they are. And I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory in a way, but start with everything you love before going in. Yeah. I guess I don't like that when it comes to me. Like when I hear something... I'm just like, okay, just get to the, the shit that needs to be fixed. Can I? Can we get into this? Can we therapize this for a second? Why yeah, don't you like hearing the positives? You've worked so, so hard. You just talked about how much you worked so hard on this one particular script. Why don't you want someone to be like, you nailed it with this section? All right, so I'm going to be honest with you. With that particular script, at this point, I'm starting to really appreciate the positives. <laughs> I'm really, really starting to appreciate, oh, excellent job here. However... Sometimes I don't necessarily believe the positives that people are saying because mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's just a tactic to uh, get into the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just assume that everything else is working unless you bring it up. Like, okay, cool. If, if they're not talking about the John character, then I'm good. Mm -hmm. I don't need to hear the positives about it because it's going to stay. So you actually come from a place of assuming everything is great <laughs> and then getting notes. Whereas I assume I kind of do both, actually. <laughs> you know what? Lately, I've been needing some positive reinforcement. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I think that's good. I think that's <laughs> is healthy. It? Is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, and I think the thing that I struggle with with you is like trying to remind you that knowing the positives are as equally beneficial as knowing the negatives because you do want to make sure the positives, like I really love your character, John. You want to make sure that I continue to love your character, John, and here's how you're going to go about doing that versus if I don't tell you anything about John, you have no idea if John's working or not. Yeah, no, there is something wrong with me. I'll just... <laughs> admit it glad I don't know we what got it is, through that finally got you to admit I, it yeah i need the positives though so please just don't listen to me and just keep doing it okay number four go big and then go small which for me means start with the macro notes like hey overall i feel like the character arc is not quite there yet um, i'll go into more detail on the pages about where i think it's not working for me specifically, but overall, I just want you to know, John's character arc is not quite working. Completely agree. Going big and then going small, I think, is the way to go in giving notes. Yeah. It's important because we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but you need to have a larger perspective. So if you come in and just start saying, on page five, John's line here, I don't like it. Um, on yeah. page 10... John does this weird thing and it just weirds me out. I'm like, okay, well, oh my God, like what, what is he getting at? Uh, what's, what's the problem here? But if you start with saying like, John's arc isn't quite working for me and I, I don't like him by the end of the movie and I know you want me to. Um, so on page three, his line here, it's not really working for me. That then tells me that that's speaking to your larger problem of not liking him and his arc. So yeah, that's why you have to start big and start small so that the writer can wrap their mind around what these smaller notes are actually pointing towards. Yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. I don't have any, anything else to say about it. Number five. Wow, number five. I, well, let me just say, I feel like five and six, they're kind of holding hands with each other. I could see they're that. They're very necessarily. Yeah, all right. All right, number five is be specific. And then number six is offer solutions. Offer solutions. <laughs> offer solutions. Three <laughs> exclamation marks. Here's why I think these go together. Being specific is like, 
insanely important in in scripts, especially if you've your multiple drafts through. That that like goes without saying because there's nothing worse than getting the note that's like, oh, I didn't really like John, and you're like, well, why not? He's like, ah, there's just I didn't like his character. You're like, well, <laughs> what specifically didn't you like about him? Well, I, let me think about it. It's like, but that that's what the point of the fucking notes are. Yeah. And I think anytime, obviously, anytime you can nail a very specific reason why you don't like something or why you think something should be changed or where something could be better, it's great. And something that Sabeti's really, really great at, and this ties into number six, is he always offers solutions to problems. He does. He does like a great job these, at that. Yeah. Well, even if they're not the right solution, they kind of get you thinking about, oh, okay, well... That's interesting, and then it kind of gets your brain going in a different direction. Yeah, agree. And something interesting that Savetti does too when he gives solutions is he'll often give two very different solutions to a problem. So he's like, you could address it this way or you could address it this way, and he'll give specific solutions for both ways. And you're like, oh, wow, I'm not going to take either of those ways, but it's that now opens up to me what you think the problem is or like it pinpoints for me in a very interesting way how I can address it. Yeah really creatively and i think you're right like be specific and offer solutions do go hand in hand and i think too like an example you gave earlier of someone saying the scene isn't funny so that's not specific right yeah you're saying it's not funny but why isn't it funny that's yeah. a, that's a specific it's not funny because this joke makes him feel like a dick and it actually isn't funny it makes him feel like a jerk um yeah okay can you then there's another level of specificity what about what he says makes him feel like a jerk because to me that's that line's funny so go deeper go deeper and don't be afraid when a writer asks questions because you know a good writer who has listened to our note takers commandments episode will know mm -hmm. not to be defensive you're just merely trying to get at what the note is and the more specificity you can give the better i can't tell you how difficult it is as a writer to get notes that are like you know this conversation just isn't working and um, I just don't get it. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, cool. Like, what's great. What, what aren't you getting? Ah, I don't know. It's just confusing. Maybe yeah. it's, maybe it's this word. Okay. Okay. I can maybe change that word. Now, nah, you know, when you change that word, that doesn't work either. Okay. Well, if we got specific and if we offered solutions right at the get go, we wouldn't have, have to have this back and forth. And I think, alternatively offer solutions is so important because, and the best producers will frame it this way. They'll say, look, I'm just gonna pitch this. It's probably bad. Don't take it as prescriptive, take it or leave it. But what if you did this? Like what? It, like the mm -hmm. same way that I sometimes give dialogue notes by, by giving a, a dialogue solution. I'm not telling you to do this, but it will open up the writer's mind and, and, and give them fodder um, to, to start yeah. working off of. So offer solutions and, you're not i think i think maybe people get scared that they're stepping on the writer's toes by offering solutions but so long as you present it in a way that's like hey you don't have to do this but here's here's like an interesting idea that may be good or bad can i also say there's nothing worse than being caught off guard giving a note and then someone's like can you be more specific and you're like uh, uh. <laughs> you know you just write down a note but you don't write the the specifics behind it. You just write down why, oh, I didn't like this character. And it's just like stupid. You're like, it's happened one too many times. But I love it when people in writer's group challenge me to be more specific because they're right. When they catch me doing it, they're totally right that I need to be absolutely more specific because my note was too vague and not helpful. So, mm. you know, we do it too. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's nice to be caught in it <laughs> when you have an answer. Fucking sucks. When don't you give don't. stupid notes, Josh. How about that? <laughs> All right, never mind. I like John. John's great. <laughs> just backtrack and just ruin the entire yeah. script. <laughs> I want to say one other thing about offering solutions. And this is Please. something we also partly covered in the note takers commandments as well. But the importance, I think, of framing, I'm offering solutions, but feel free to take or leave it is that a writer who has not listened to the to the note takers commandments may just take your solution because they think that's what the studio wants that's what the producer wants that's the thing that's going to get my movie made is if i do this note because they just gave me a solution to change my villain into a dog so that's clearly what they want and if you don't frame it by saying hey this 
bad pitch. This is more of a dialogue. My that's what my manager always says to me when we're doing notes. It's like, hey, I'm just I'm just this is a dialogue. I'm just being honest with you. We, we this is a bad idea. And then she'll like give me her her solution. It's very helpful because I know I don't have to take it for it to be better. It's just a suggestion. So mm. I think number six is maybe one of the bigger numbers on our list. Well, this is kind of veering off of, you know, note giving, but do you not take notes often? If you disagree, for instance, if you get a note and someone's not specific about it and you just disagree with it and someone, maybe someone offers a solution, but you know, it's not great. Do you then come back with a, another specific solution or like, how do you address that when you, when you get a note that you just don't want to take? It varies. I, for the most part, will find a way to address the note in a way that doesn't mess something up. Unless it's just totally off the wall bonkers, yeah. then I, I won't address it. And if they have the note again, then I'll go back and, and see if, see that there's something there. But for instance, something came up recently where I kept getting this note about an item, like a prop in the show that was confusing. And I was like, it's not confusing. Why do they yeah. think it's confusing? So I kept ignoring it because I'm like, it's not confusing. And I kept getting the note that it was. And so all I did was I just changed the wording around how I introduced the prop in the show mm. and that fixed the note. So the, the solution was like, can you take this out entirely? We don't want this prop. But I knew that that wasn't the solution. It was just changing the wording around it. And then suddenly it made sense again. Wow. So okay. I guess it's just being careful with how you solve the problem. Yeah. Are we moving on? Yeah. Number seven. Be positive when talking about the negatives. So, I mean, I think he reiterates this because while at the beginning of giving notes, you start with the positives. Even when you're giving the notes, I think framing them as positives is also really helpful. So for instance, when I'm giving notes on a script, I will give my macro, oh, this was what's so great about it overall. This is what I loved. And now when I go into like my page notes, for instance, if I have a ton of notes on like this main dialogue between the hero and the villain on this, and this whole scene I have in the middle of the script, what I'll say when I get there, even if I didn't like the conversation at all, I will find mm -hmm. something about the conversation that I did like or make something up <laughs> that I did like that's just like, um, I like your intention here or I like the blocking that you have in this scene. But my issue is this, so that I'm kind of cushioning them before I give them like the real note, which I yeah. think is helpful because especially when you're going like page by page or whatever it is you're doing, um, you're giving a lot of notes, it can feel so overwhelming and just these little cushions along the way do really help the writer totally it's just really crazy like kind of even how we started this podcast we there were some there was some negativity sprinkled in where it's about like how difficult things are and how tough the process is and these little douses of positivity can really go a long way it yeah. really can you get like one positive thing from somebody on a wednesday and you're like I'm good until next week. Like, I'm great. <laughs> I got some positive news. But be, having positivity with notes is key. It I'll is come key. Around. Yeah. And it's just being a good manager in many ways. If you, you know, you're, you're managing yeah. your employees, your writers by, you know, totally. give, giving them hope and the energy to carry through with your notes. And I know some, some people can be like, ah, oh, writers are so sensitive. Who, who gives a crap about their yeah. feelings? And it's, sort of not about that in some ways it's a, it's about you know creating an environment that they can and work really well and effectively in god it, it, it's so hard because like i said sometimes i'll get like if i get notes back and like a uh, email will start with really really exceptional work really great things this and this i'm really loving this i'm really loving that and here are the notes mm -hmm. it's like i know that that first part was all bullshit i know it was like that's a that's a tactic. Everyone knows this yeah. tactic, but at the same time, you need it. You and do. It's, it's weird. <laughs> Number eight. Don't hammer notes. What does this mean? I think this means, hey Tasha, here's my note. Tasha, you listen to it, you take the note, and we move on from it. That's it. I leave it at that. I don't come back around in five minutes and hammer the note home again and be like. By the way, I'm going to say this one more time to you. 
got to change that John character. John really needs to like, I think the root of this is that um, if you follow some of the commandments here and if you're specific and you offer solutions, your note is good just once. Like you mm-hmm. don't have to keep hitting this thing at somebody and making them feel like shit for not executing something. Yeah. That's how I interpret it. Yeah. I, I think that's absolutely right. And you and I both know writers who, or note givers rather, who give the note in such an exhausting way (laughs) that you're like, oh my God, I get it. I'm dying. (laughs) Like this note could have been a single sentence, but we're having a giant five minute conversation about the note. So that is also not the right way to deliver a note. I think as we'll see in number nine, being as succinct <laughs> as possible, I think with your notes is very helpful because writers actually tend to get it, you know, unless they're they're asking you questions because they because they they don't. For the most part, writers when they hear a note, they're like, "Yep." I feel like ninety percent of the time when I hear a note, I'm like, "Yep, I know that that's there." Damn it, you saw it, or dang, yeah. like ah, that was bugging me too, and you articulated what the problem was. I get it. And actually, something that Sabetti does, interestingly enough, that I think is Fucking great Sabetti. is if if he senses someone hammering a note, um, or just tr- just trying to explain the note a little too much, he'll be like, "Yep, yeah, I got the note. Get it." And it's not rude yeah. in any way, but he's just like, "Yep, I got the note." Like, let's move on. Totally. Um, he's really great at that. He's really great at that. And I think that's important, too, for writers to, to say is, yeah, I get that note. Great. Just to have, have some kind of response, right? So that to help the producers along so that they aren't hammering notes. Totally. I also think another way to hammer notes, which I've had from producers, is they'll give the note. And then I don't know if it's an insecurity thing with having given the note, but they'll be, they'll like make a joke about the note. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. for example, like John, poor John, we're picking on John. John, yeah, you know, John. what he what he does here doesn't quite, quite make sense or doesn't track with his character. Okay, cool, got it. Cause I mean, like, why would John do that, right? Like, that's so <laughs> dumb. Like, it's just like ridiculous why John would do that. Yeah, yeah, I get it, thanks. <laughs> like, yeah. You don't need to tell me that I'm, I made John do something stupid. I get it, it's not working. <laughs> that's, I definitely think, First of all, I've done that before. <laughs> Let me just be clear about that. I think every well, I, I think everyone has. I've gotten that note before, mm-hmm. but I do. I think it's rooted in an insecure place of what you're saying because you're not like a hundred percent sure of what you're saying, mm. and you're just trying to sound a little smarter than you are. Yeah, like you're trying to justify the note. Yeah, by giving a little extra. Maybe? Yeah. Oh, next time I do it, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, you're doing number eight. <laughs> I'm like, oh fuck! I'm sorry. I'm insecure. <laughs> All right, number nine. Number nine. Be concise, unless you're riffing with the writer. Ooh, you kind of touched on this. I think so. Just now, this kind of ties into being specific as well. But what I'm wondering: be concise, unless you're riffing with the writer. You mean it's like a little beatbox session that it's like <laughs> we're going to just start spitballing ideas back and forth? What does this mean, Sabetti? What do you think this means? I think that's exactly what it means is – and I do this with my manager all the time. She's like, we're just talking here. We're just talking. I'm just riffing. <laughs> we're <Okay>. just friends. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we're just friends. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean it is just a, a back and forth. Hey, what if we did this? Hey, what if we did that? And I see. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It requires a lot of vulnerability from both people because you have to be well willing to give some really shitty ideas in that riffing session, um, yeah. in which case being concise is sort of hard. Um, but yeah. otherwise, yeah. And and concise too is not only specificity but shortness. Like yeah, yeah, give yeah. the short the note as short as possible because again that feels like you're hammering at home if you're just so lengthy about how you're delivering a note. I think personally, at least I feel very spoiled in this regard because people like you or Dave, even our writers group, everyone is so open to, and I'm a big believer of just like throwing out bad ideas. Whatever the idea is, throw it out. And sometimes with Dave and I will always spitball stuff and it's like, hey, this is going to be a horrible idea, but I'm going to spitball this. And it's like, just go. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that leads to, you know, that riffing leads to some kind of great idea and it all stems from like the worst possible idea but you just have to make yourself vulnerable and know that's part of the process yeah absolutely you have to like create that like nice little safe space 
hey, we're just we're just saying ideas here. We're just we're chilling, just man. Ideas. This isn't we're it, but chilling. what if John yeah. was from outer space, you know, and yeah. he's been oh, here all shit. along underneath the ice oh, in Siberia. Fuck. Oh, shit. And then Chris Pratt and his wife will find him in that third act without addressing it in the first act. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I'm just going to throw this out here. What if it's the wife, a character we've never seen before or really care about, has the answer to the entire movie? Just a thought. Just going to throw it out there. Number 10. (laughs) Be subjective, not objective. What does this mean, Tasha? (laughs) I was going to ask you the same thing. I I was just going to say, you know, come at it from a... Personally, this is how I feel. This Mm -hmm. is where my note is personally coming from. And the reason I feel this way is because... I'm from Wisconsin, and I know what it's like growing up in a small town. And so I'm bringing this note to you about your small town character to say X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I think you do this really well. You almost present all your notes in this way of like, hey, look, this is just how I felt about it, but I felt this. And I think that can be very important in giving notes rather than saying, this is absolutely wrong. And there's (laughs) no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is not right. Because guess what? You could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. No one's right. It no could be one's it, right. It's writing. One of my favorite things is when you give notes and you're just over it. <laughs> and you're just like, all right, no, here. This is wrong. This is wrong. This no, is wrong. I don't do that. Do I do that? <laughs> That's how I interpret it. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Fucking well, stupid. I don't do any of these Ten Commandments. <laughs> no. N- no, no, no. You'll come at it from a good place. But I have, I, I've, I've gotten a note from you where you're like, yeah, no. Is it because this. it's happened like multiple times in multiple drafts and I'm just like sick of giving the same note? Probably. I'm sure you wouldn't do it if we weren't comfortable with each other. <laughs> <laughs> like I, if I took it personally. I never take anything personally. So it's like. Will you call oh, me okay. out on that the next time I do that? Because I'm very curious. No, because you're in a flow and I need those good notes. <laughs> So selfishly, I'll just be like, keep fucking going. Sometimes I will admit, because it's writer's group and because I know you all so well, I will be like, don't do this. You know you're, you know that's not the right answer. We, <laughs> we both know Yeah, <laughs> you were just being lazy or whatever. It, like, there is a comfortability to be able to do that. Though I try not yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, wait, take, taking the personal uh, friendships out of all of notes, if you're a producer, you're coming in with, someone you just started to work with be uh be subjective not objective yeah what's interesting is the the example that's coming up is actually one i think we've talked about on the podcast before of a writer who's was in a writer's room and her executive kept giving the note that the mom in the story didn't come off as a good mom and everyone was like why this is really confusing because she is a really good mom and they were like trying to wrap their heads around why she felt this way because she wasn't specific she was just like i don't know why it's just she's not reading as a as a good mom to me and so they would fix it and this happened like eight times they just kept fixing you know changing slightly what her wording was or slightly what her action was towards the kid and still it was reading as yeah it's just she's not a good mom and so finally they found out called a meeting and the executive turns out was going through a divorce and like didn't feel like she was a good mom herself and so was struggling with her own feelings about what motherhood was and was projecting that on the characters and she kind of like broke down crying in the meeting and was like i really apologize like this is what's going on and so from that they were able to realize like oh (laughs) she's bringing so much of her own baggage to this that like this is how we address the note better and yeah which is all to say if that executive had had more kind of self-awareness about the process a little bit more there could be like hey like like this is sort of what i'm bringing to the table um but this is the feeling that i'm getting from this mother yeah my energy's in a divorce state of mind (laughs) and this is why i feel this way not that she had to be that personal but yeah did we do it (laughs) yeah i was just thinking too about how weird it is how I've given notes before in writer's room or sort of individually on one-on-one with some of you guys where like we've revealed deep secrets of our lives while giving notes as a way to do this number 10, be subjective, not objective, where you're like, 
look, like I have an alcoholic in my life and this is what mm -hmm. we've been through. Therefore, I think this about what your character is doing. <laughs> it's like, whoa, wait, you had an alcoholic? Yeah. Like we learn things about each other simply because of the way we deliver notes. It's very interesting. And what's weird is like you open up in a way where it's like so easy. You're like, okay, this is why I feel this way. Mm -hmm. And there's no, you're not like, at least I, I just, I, I find myself totally comfortable saying like really revealing things and being like, <laughs> all right, well, this happened with me and you know, this, the, my father relationship, whatever. Yeah. And everyone's just like, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. That's where that note's coming from. <laughs> exactly. It's like a safe space and it just, it does nothing but I think fuel the creative energy in the room to, to share those things. Just everyone be vulnerable. We're good. We're all human beings. Love each other. We're all... <laughs> is that re is that relevant? <laughs> I think so. I think it. I think so. All right, we did it. So those are Sabetti's ten note givers commandments, and I think they're fantastic. If you haven't listened to our note takers commandments, go back and listen to those. Those are also really good and really interesting. We also yeah, stole a... them from Sabetti. <laughs> Totally. This is a companion piece. Like, yeah. this is like the sequel that everyone's been waiting for. for it's like, true. Months. I have gotten people being like, when is the other note thing dropping? We should probably recap what the 10 are. All right, listeners, get out your pen and paper so you know what the fuck we're talking about here so you can recap all of this. Recap it, Tasha. <laughs> all right. Number one <laughs> for the note givers, 10 commandments. Set the writer's expectations before you give the notes. Number two, help the writer write better. Don't write for them. Number three, start with the positives. Number four, go big, then go small. Number five, be specific. Number six, offer solutions, offer solutions, <laughs> offer solutions. <laughs> Number seven, be positive when talking about the negatives. Number eight, don't hammer the notes. Number nine, be concise unless riffing with the writer. And finally, number 10 of our 10 note givers commandments, be subjective, not objective. And I'll wrap up with our quote of the day. No one tries to write a bad script, but writing a great one is hard. No one tries to give bad notes, but giving great ones is hard. Alex Sabetti. <laughs> Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And me on Instagram is Josh Hallman or Twitter is Joshua Hallman. And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm -hmm.